Welcome back to Fall Classic Rewind, the stories behind the World Series. We're continuing our coverage of the 2023 playoffs, uh, now going to be doing games 3, 4, and 5 of the NLCS between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. These are going to be the games at Chase Field in Arizona. Got some really exciting finishes in these ball games and some really cool moments uh, and guys sort of moving their way up the record books. Uh, not, not unlike we've seen uh, in the Houston and Texas series, which, by the way, um, so excited for tonight. I'm recording this on Monday. We've got two incredible things, right? Phillies coming home, game six, chance to head back to the World Series with Aaron Noah on the mound. And then later tonight, game seven. What more could you want? Rangers were able to stave off of elimination uh, in game six. I'll have reactions to that game and reactions to game seven, uh, finding out who is going to represent the AL in the World Series. It might be tonight that we find out what our World Series matchup is going to be starting later this week. Um, and at the very latest, we'll know tomorrow. You know, one thing that's been so awesome about watching these playoffs is watching how different teams, different players approach the moment, right? Sometimes it's the stars who are coming through, like Bryce Harper and Trey Turner, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, right? And then other times, right, it's a guy who you might not have heard of. We're going to see that in this series, right? Um, but other guys coming through in big moments or making a name for themselves. I'm kind of thinking about like Ranger Suarez and Nate Evaldi, right? Nate Evaldi not necessarily thought of as a star, but we're going to remember him as a postseason dude, right? Um and then, you know, guys making great catches like Leonardo Tavares, we're going to see in this series. Bryson Stott really making an impact on the defensive side of the ball. Um, like, just those, those things are pretty incredible to me. And then, of course, bullpen arms like a Josh Spores coming out of nowhere and being a solid reliever, not unlike like Jeff Hoffman. For the uh, for the Phillies of guys who you'd be like, wait, that's that's a late inning guy on a postseason team, and it's like, yeah, it is. You know, sometimes those are how the things shake out as the season plays out, and um, you know, it's also so cool to see the emotion that guys bring into this. Sometimes that boils over, like we saw with Houston and Texas, but then ultimately you've got to go and play the game. You've got to find a way to control it. You've got to find a way to either funnel it and, and have it fuel you or make sure it doesn't get out of hand. Right. Um, but you see that release when guys come through with big hits, when they get a big strikeout, when they make a play, man, it's so fun to watch. Right. Like it, there's just, there's so much about postseason baseball that, if you've been listening to the show, I've talked for hours and hours and hours about it. There's so many aspects, and um, I just want to say it's been a blast, these playoffs. Uh, and I think it's definitely with the direction the last few games have gone, right, that I think we're heading towards a really, really great World Series. Anyway. We'll get into the games in Arizona, starting with game three, which is going to be a rookie on the mound for the D-backs, Brandon Fought, who, you know, struggled against the Brewers in his first postseason start, but was really, really good, albeit in less than five innings, against the Dodgers. Kid with great stuff, but is inexperienced and has struggled at the big league level. What is he going to do? After, you know, his the top two pitchers in his rotation, the veterans, the guys who are bona fide starters, if not 
Zach Gallon, who's an ace level pitcher, right? Guy struggled against Philly. How's how's he going to do? Well, he might not know enough to be concerned, right? Uh, and as we're going to see, he's going to acquit himself very well. But going up against him, Ranger Suarez, who's sort of quietly emerging as like a real postseason dude. You know, obviously he's not a guy who's going to go out there and give you seven, eight innings, right? He's going to be a little bit more limited, you know, probably two, two and a half times around the order max. But man, has he been effective when used? And, uh, you know, one thing that we're going to see from this game three, right? Game three starters match up to be your your potential game seven starters. With how game three is going to go, both managers can be confident that if this series goes seven, they're going to have a guy they can give the ball to and be real, real sure they're going to give them a chance to win. Anyway, on to game three after a word from our sponsor. Philadelphia is a place full of history. You might think Philadelphia is synonymous with cream cheese, right? Hey, let's go to Philadelphia, and while we're there, let's take a tour of the place where they make the cream cheese. Well, you can search all you want, but you won't find it. That's because Kraft's Philadelphia cream cheese has practically nothing to do with Philadelphia. You see, it all got started in 1872, just like it says on the package, when a dairyman up in New York State wanted to make a kind of Neufchatel, a crumbly cheese from Normandy that's kind of like camembert and kind of like brie, only different. Well, this New York dairyman accidentally put way too much cream in the cheese. But it was a happy accident. The cheese turned out creamy and spreadable and delicious. Cream cheese was born. He put it in a block covered by foil and was looking to expand sales. Well, down around Philadelphia way, there were lots of surrounding area dairy farms known for making all kinds of cheeses. So by 1880, the cheese was marketed as Philadelphia cream cheese. The company was bought and sold and eventually owned by Kraft, turning it into the best-selling cream cheese in the world. Nowadays, grocery stores, supermarkets, bagel shops, and delis all rely on the brand. And there's no shortage of styles and flavors, from savory, like garlic and herb, chive and onion, and smoked salmon, or the sweet flavors like brown sugar and cinnamon, strawberry, and my favorite, blueberry. It's the original, it's the best, and it's synonymous with cream cheese. Only, it has practically nothing to do with Philadelphia, the city, so you can stop looking for the factory. Philadelphia cream cheese since 1872. Now you know a little something more about Philadelphia's history. To start this game at Chase Field, Brandon Font gets what his top two starters were unable to get. A scoreless first inning. He strikes out Kyle Schwarber, and then after Trace Turner singles to right, gets a 4-6-3, double play, gets his team back in the dugout, you know, without having to see a run cross the board. That is so important after you've had two losses, after you, like, your starters have given up runs early, the ability to just have everyone basically take a breath, right, and give a little bit more confidence to be like, hey, guys, I got this right? That does wonders for a team. And also what it does on the other hand is, all right, it puts a little more pressure on the Phillies of, okay, it ain't going to be that easy, right? First two games were, we hand that to you. But no, we're going to make you work for this. We're going to make you work for this. And that is, you know, early on in this game, it is a pitching display between Fott and Ranger Suarez. I mean, both of them, Suarez getting ground balls and quite a lot of strikeouts. Fought dotting the zone up, right and left, up and down. You know. Now, in the top of the third, right? 
fought, who is on a sort of a strikeout rampage, you know, strikes out Nick Castellanos to lead off the inning, but gives up a double down the right field line. Well, actually to right center to Brandon Marsh. Um, but then he's able to strike out Johan Rojas swinging. And with Kyle Schwarber at the plate, who has demolished, demolished the Diamondbacks starting pitching in this series, Brandon Font is able to lock him up. And the count stays two and two. All right, here we go. Font again to Schwarber. Got him looking for the second time with a breaking ball. And the side is retired. And Font strikes out the side. He's got six through three innings. We go to the bottom of the third here in Phoenix. No score on the D-backs radio network. Throughout this game, Brandon Font is going to have everything working. He's going to keep things scoreless all the way up until the sixth inning. You know, where he ends up going um, five and two-thirds, strikes out uh, Brandon Marsh, and then after a Johan Rojas flyout, Lavulo comes to get him, not going to have him face uh, the lineup for a third time, which has kind of become sort of a controversial of, oh, why are you automatically pulling guys? But ultimately it was, hey, you gave us everything you needed. You know, ends up striking out nine, an outstanding, outstanding outing from the rookie. Um, I can understand taking him out. I can also understand people who are like, hey, this guy's dealing. You don't know what else is going to happen. As it turns out, it's perfectly fine to take him out. Um, Andrew Salfrake actually walks Kyle Schwarber, but he's able to get Trey Turner to ground into a force out. Now, Ranger Suarez has also been dealing this whole time. He's scoreless into the sixth. But Cattell Marte leads off the bottom of the sixth with a drive, just missing a homer by a couple of feet, hits it off the wall, so he's on second with nobody out. And now the speedy Corbin Carroll is up, and he's looking to drive him in. And he's going to hit a ball that looks like it might get through. But second baseman Bryson Stott, well, he is going to continue to put on a defensive clinic out there at second base. Uh, the 0-1 pitch. Swing at a ground ball right side. Past the diving Harper. Diving is Stott. He's got it. Fires to first in time. Suarez was there to cover. What a play by Bryson Stott. He backed up Bryce Harper. They both left their feet, and Stotts was able to get back up and fire a strike to the glove side of Ranger Suarez. One away. Boy, that is just a fantastic play all the way around. The pitcher gets over there when he's supposed to, as he's supposed to, and you just barely beat Corbin Carroll, which not for any fault. Ranger's going to fall off to the third base side to start with, but recovers and gets over there in a hurry. That is an incredible play, and it shows a lot of concentration. By the way, our radio broadcasters on both sides, on the Arizona side earlier, uh, you heard Greg Schulte, Tom Candiotti, and we'll, we, we'll also hear from Chris Garagiola in this series. On the Philly side's WIP, Scott Fransky, uh, we will hear from later. Tom McCarthy is doing play-by-play on that play there. Larry Anderson and, of course, Kevin Stocker, who I had mistakenly been calling uh, Ben Davis. I was mixing up my TV and radio broadcast. Sorry about that, folks. Anyway, what a play by Stott there, ranging over. Um, and then also, by the way, Ranger Suarez. The, like, the Phillies pitchers know how to cover the bag. Like, that is one thing I really like about them is – they take fielding seriously. You don't see it enough with other teams. Uh, but for the most part, right, they really, really take it seriously. Um, what a play there. Saves a run, because if that ball trickles into right, Marte's scoring easily. Castellanos does not have a good arm in right. Uh, and given how slowly the ball was hit, pretty easy to score a run there. 
if it gets through. Um, and, you know, now it's man on third, one out. Uh, Jeff Hoffman comes in. You know, Ranger Suarez is a little ticked that he doesn't get to finish, uh, finish his outing uh, or at least finish off six innings. But Jeff Hoffman comes in, strikes out Gabby Moreno, and then gets a ground out to short from Christian Walker. In the top of the seventh, Bryce Harper draws a walk from Andrew Salfrank, who s- seems like this this dude, again, another rookie, um, who was really good in the previous two series, has struggled against the Phillies and is going to continue to struggle um, as he just can't get the lefties out, right? Your, your job as a lefty reliever is to get the lefties out, uh, but he ends up walking a lot of them. The sidewinder, Ryan Thompson, comes in, gives up a weak infield single, but then gets a double play um, from Bryson Stott. Uh, A really nice play by Geraldo Perdomo, by the way. But that brings up JT Real Muto. And one thing about Ryan Thompson, right? And this is just a thing about sidewinders. Occasionally, they can just hold on to the ball a little bit too long, right? Guys with funky mechanics occasionally throw some really funky pitches. And this is about the worst time you could ever throw one. Infield back. Off the line is Walker at first. 0-1. Thompson delivers. And the pitch is way outside. Goes to the backstop. And here comes Harper. He'll score. Bryce Harper on a ball that gets away at the plate all the way to the screen. And Harper scampers home with the first run of the game. It's 1-0 Phillies here in the seventh. Where was that pitch? Just a bit outside. It's almost not on the iPad screen. (laughs) It's totally (laughs) off of it. Especially with what happens next, which is that Thompson is able to strike out JT Real Muto. Right? That's just such a man. How could we let that happen? You know, a guy giving, giving his catcher no shot. Uh, to block it, um, it's going to be a, we're going to see a series of poor plays around home plate. Balls getting by the catcher, some of it on the thrower, whether it's a pitcher or an infielder. We'll also see some of them kind of on some responsibility from the catcher. This one, not on Moreno at all. That's just just completely on Thompson. Uh, and the Phillies, who've yet to trail in this series, are up one nothing. And one thing about the Phillies too, right, is so far in the playoffs, they have trailed for like a total of an inning or two innings, right? <laughs> like hardly, it, it is very rare at the end of an inning that they are trailing. Doesn't happen much. Um, now they're not going to be trailing at the end of this inning, but they're not going to be able to hold that lead very long. Uh, Tommy Pham leads off against another rookie, Orion Kirkering, with a single up the middle. Alec Thomas then comes in to pinch run for him, and that's important because Lourdes Gurriel Jr. does this. A ground ball down to third, fair, left field corner. Thomas turns second, hits for third. Schwarber gets it back in. Here comes Thomas. He will score to tie it on a double by Gurriel here in the seventh inning, right down the left field line. Bohm couldn't get that one, even with his outstretched arms. It gets by him, and that's why we love to see Gurriel swing the bat, not bunt. And he drives in Thomas, who was absolutely flying around the bases. Why was he flying? So the Diamondbacks have tied it up here. And an even better thing, they've got a runner at second with nobody out on the double RBI by Guriel. Alec Thomas can flat out fly, right? Most guys running, if Tommy Pham uh, stays in the game there, right? He might be able to score. Um, but it would be a little bit risky, especially with no one out. Probably gets held up. You know, it would be second and third. 
But Alec Thomas scores so, so easily, not even an attempt at a play, and we got a tie ball game, folks. Paven Smith then comes in to pinch hit. Um, another young player who has had, had his struggles, but he gets a base hit, but it's lofted into the outfield, so Gurriel's unable to score. And that's a little costly because after Paven Smith steals, uh, no, he actually doesn't steal second base, right? Because Jose, Alvar- Jose Alvarado comes into the game, right? Emmanuel Rivera's at the plate, and he chops one to short. And Guriel doesn't go with the infield in. But because the ball's hit so hard, the Phillies turn a double play. And it's just really, really poor base running from Guriel, who's going to make yet another base running error later in this game. Uh, And thankfully, it, you know, for the D backs, it's ultimately not going to cost them the game. But when it's first and third, how we were taught when I was in college and at other levels, right? Unless it's like line drive at the third baseman. When first and third, whether it's one out, whether it's two outs, whether it's no outs or one out, you go automatically. Because the worst that happens is you get thrown out at home and it's first and second with one out, right? That's the worst outcome that can happen if you go, right? If you don't go, it can turn into a double play, right? And that's exactly what happened. So Guriel completely misreads it. Uh, And I don't know if that was just a miscommunication or something. There's a potential miscommunication later in this game. But that that is a costly missed opportunity for the D-backs to take the lead in this game, especially with one of the Phillies' best relievers out there. And Alvarado's able to get Perdomo on the first pitch, you know, essentially to get out of this inning. Now, the D-backs bullpen is going to do their job. Kevin Ginkle and Paul Seawald keep us scoreless to the eighth. Jose Alvarado works around a Gabby Moreno double, who, like, by the way, like hits it off the wall in center field, which now that they have a humidor in Arizona, like really hard to do. Right, it's it, a place that where the ball used to fly is now kind of a pitcher's ballpark, uh, especially given how big it is. But we go to the bottom of the ninth, and Craig Kimbrell's in, which, you know, clean inning type of situation. Want to hold it here? You've used your other main bullpen guys. You want to go to Kimbrell here, but it's gonna get very very dicey. Ends up walking Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to lead off the inning. A great at-bat from him. After Gurriel steals second, Paven uh, Paven Smith gets an infield single. Bryson Stott keeps the ball in the infield, uh, which doesn't allow Gurriel to score. Then Smith takes second base with Emmanuel Rivera at the plate. But after that, Rivera, who's in a two-strike count, chops one to short, a great, great play by Trey Turner to essentially save the game, dives, throws it home to throw out Guriel, who they try to, you know, do a little tag and all of that. And again, a base running error from Guriel, especially be, or, and also a base running error from Paven Smith, who doesn't advance, right? Who doesn't take the opportunity to go to third base, he stays at second. So there's either some type of miscommunication, not a great day for base running, right? For those of us who love base running, right? Love it when it's executed correctly. This was was a poor showing of it from the D-backs. But it's ultimately not going to matter. Geraldo Perdomo puts together a great at-bat, draws a walk, bringing up the best hitter for the Diamondbacks, the dude who is marching his way up postseason history with uh, with a hitting streak to start his postseason career. As we're going to see as this series goes on, he's going to be challenging Marquise Grissom's record of 15 straight games to start a postseason career with a hit uh, that uh, Grissom set with the Braves back in 95 and 96. But Cattell Marte, 
It's going to fall behind 0-1, but he's going to be looking for a fastball, looking to get the barrel of the bat on it and end this ball game right here, right now, off of Craig Kimbrell. Ortiz been the Diamondbacks' best hitter here during the postseason, and he's trying to come through in the clutch here. Carroll's on deck. One out. Bases loaded. 1-1 to the bottom of the ninth. Kimball ready. Marte ready. And the 0-1 pitch. Swing! Base hit! Diamondbacks win! Into score, Smith. Marte gets his third hit of the ball game, and the Diamondbacks are alive and well in the National League Championship Series. They win game three. They come back home. They beat the Phillies 2-1 on a walk-off by Marte. Right guy up at the right time. He got a pitch to hit and just laced it to center field. You knew something had to give, and the D-backs walk it off. What a thing of beauty. Well, he kind of flies under the radar, Tom Candiotti, on this Diamondback ball club. Troy Lavello, the coaches, the front office, the players know how much he means to this ball club. And what a terrific day he had at the plate. Wow. In a day where they really needed some kind of offense, there was nothing really going on here. You know, offensively, both teams having trouble scoring runs. Pitching was outstanding in this game. And Marte, he's the one that showed up. He had a good at bat every single time up. You know, you can kind of say this about this Diamondback ball club. They'll be down and out in the ball game, maybe down and out in the series, and all of a sudden they start pecking away. They get good pitching, which they did today, and the hitting came through in the end, and Marte, you had the right guy up at the plate. That's the one guy you wanted up in this situation, and boy, oh boy, did he come through. He did. He Just watching the replay on that swing, he really shortened his swing, too. Completely different swing for Cattell, and he delivered with a base hit at the most important time in that ball game. That's the governor, Greg Schulte, on the call for the D-backs. He's been the D-backs play-by-play guy since their inception. And this is his final season. He's going to be calling it a career. Um, he's a guy who uh, missed some time in previous years uh, due to cancer and chemotherapy treatments. Um but been with them since 1998, was, of course, there for Luis Gonzalez's walk-off in Game 7 of the 2001 World Series. A highly respected uh, man and broadcast guy um, across the league. And there with a great call as the D-backs get yet another walk-off in the playoffs. Only their third ever. Of course, Luis Gonzalez in Game 7 also earlier in those playoffs, Tony Womack, I believe, had to walk off against the Cardinals. How about that? Cattell Marte, again, we talk about guys making a name for themselves in the postseason. Cattell Marte has been that, right? He has been far and away the Diamondbacks' best player in these playoffs and has been on fire to start this series. And what a win. What a win. You know, you, you had some missed opportunities there, um, but a 2-1 tight ball game. And ultimately, right, the only run you gave up was on a wild pitch. That's the most important thing, right, for the D-backs is they kept the Phillies off the board. <laughs> they slowed down this offense. And, you know, they got to face the Diamondbacks relievers, right? You know, those guys didn't get a break. And that's really important because game four, it's known, is going to be a bullpen game. D-backs are, they're, you know, they're going to use a bunch of guys. Hardly anyone will go longer than an inning for them in this game. And the Phillies, they are going to start Christopher Sanchez but there's probably going to be a tight leash on him and he's not going to be at his best early in this game. And so everyone's going to be on call and that's going to be a really important factor in this game. So to start, right? Joe Mantiply gets an easy first inning, actually picks off Trey Turner in the first 
which is the first time Trey Turner has been caught stealing, right? Because it was a lefty pickoff. Um, and the first time he's been caught stealing all season. I think he had gone like 50-something stolen bases between being caught. Pretty good, <laughs> if you ask me, but they're able to get him there. Uh, Christopher Sanchez has a one, two, three first, but he runs into trouble in the bottom of the second. Uh, Alec Bohm has a just kind of a lazy error, uh, a throwing error that allows Christian Walker to reach. And then with only one out, Christopher Sanchez gets a comebacker, but thinks there's two outs. So he just goes to first when he could have turned a double play. So two kind of uncharacteristic mistakes from the Phillies who've been pretty clean defensively. There's then a pass ball that allows Walker to move up to third. And after a walk to Evan Longoria, Emmanuel Rivera gets his first hit of the postseason, driving in Christian Walker. It's an unearned run. Uh, you know, D-backs basically keep cycling in pitchers and keeping them off and keeping the Phillies off the board early on. And in the bottom of the third, you know, after um, a single and a wild pitch, um, you know, Christopher Chan Sanchez is actually taken out of the game. Uh, and then Jeff Hoffman gives up an RBI single to Gabriel Moreno to make it a 2-0 game. But the Phillies are not going to stay quiet for long. To lead off the bottom of the third, up steps Kyle Schwarber, who didn't have a great game three. A lot of that's due to Brandon Fott. Uh, but he's looking to get back on his torrid pace that he started this series with. And with a ball in the zone... He's going to do just that. The third base side of the rubber, he delivers. Fastball hit in the air, deep to right field. That is a blast, and it is gone! And the Phillies are on the board, and Kyle Schwarber points to his dugout, says, let's go! It's a 2-1 game! you got to hope that's going to be something to get this Phillies going. Well, it certainly woke up the Phillies crowd that's here. That home run for Kyle Schwarber now gives him the most among left-handers in postseason history. He just sped past Reggie Jackson, of all people. That's 19 postseason home runs. Schwarber ascending up the record books with home runs. And, hey, he's not done yet in this series. And who knows what he's going to do tonight as of this recording. Um... But man, it's just, he's got that home run swing. Um, he, he really is like Adam Dunn in so many ways, right? A guy who at times has had a decent hit tool, right? Can, can have a year where he hits 260 or something. But most years, not good, great batting average. But a lot of damage, a lot of walks, a lot of strikeouts, and really, really poor defense. Kyle Schwarber, you're Adam Dunn. And oh, by the way, looking like a football player too, right? The comparison is just too apt. Um, anyway, what a swing there for Schwarber, making this a 2-1 game. And, you know, ultimately, right, when we talk about <laughs> bullpen games, right, it's a lot to ask everyone to be sharp. And ultimately, not everyone is going to be sharp when you're doing a bullpen game. Um, Miguel Castro then comes in. Uh, that was the lefty Kyle Nelson was pitching. Uh, you know, and he's able to get the next three outs. Jeff Hoffman puts up a scoreless fourth, which is, an again, shut down innings. I always talk about them. If you're going to respond back with runs, you can't then go give them up. Top of the fifth, JT Real Muto gets a one-out single and then moves to second on a on an infield grounder. They bring in the rookie lefty Andrew Salfrank, who once again fails to get the left-handed batter out. Brandon Marsh doubles to the left center field gap to tie up this game at two apiece. Salfrank really, really struggling. And in the sixth, Saul Frank comes out, you know, to face the top of the lineup and just doesn't have it. Three consecutive walks. And it was 
really, really painful to watch, right? A guy who, you know, runs some deep counts, has some opportunities, right, to put away Turner and put away Harper, but just can't find the zone on the pitches that matter. And that brings up Alec Bohm. Tori Lavillo is like, all right, going to bring in the lefty. They're going to bring in the sidewinder, Ryan Thompson. He's kind of been the fireman uh, of sorts in these playoffs for the Diamondbacks. And in many ways, Ryan Thompson is going to do his job against Alec Bohm. But some real unfortunate placement on where the ball is hit and poor play from both the infielder and the catcher, Gabby Moreno, leading to this play being a nightmare for Arizona. Well, the infield is going to come in on the right side, almost all the way in. On the left side, they're, they're about four steps from the turf. The base is loaded. The first pitch coming to Alec Bohm from the righty. Swing and a bouncer over to third. It's a fair ball. Rivera will throw home on one hop off the glove of Moreno. It trickles behind home plate. One run is in. Here comes Turner gracefully sliding in for the second run. And Alec Baum is tagged out as the throw goes to second base. But the Phillies get two runs on a bouncing ball up the third base line that Andy Fletcher called fair. And the errant throw by Rivera makes it a 4-2 game. Wow. God, there's so much to say about this play here. You know, first pitch, first of all, Boehm, what are, what are you swinging at, right? There's been a lot of talk about why is Alec Boehm hitting behind Bryce Harper? Wouldn't it make more sense for Rio Muto or Castellanos or, heck, even Bryson Stott, right? Because uh, Boehm is a guy who is liable to hit into double plays, and, you know, this ball's placed a little bit different. It might turn into a double play. But it rules out as a single and an RBI and then two runs because the D-backs just, I don't know what they're doing here. I don't know what Emmanuel Rivera was doing. I mean, yeah, it's a ball down the line and you're moving over, but with Schwarber running, you have time to plant your feet and make a solid throw, right? Like you have time to get in front of that ball and fire it in. Instead, he throw he just tries to he tries to hop it he tries to skip it and then moreno treats it as if he's blocking the ball not trying to pick it i, I again i have no idea what anyone here is trying to do and ultimately it leads to two runs because trey turner speed demon reads it sees the ball kick away knows he can score easily and he does and it's just like a man, what what a disaster here for the D-backs. But I gotta give credit to Ryan Thompson, right? Um well and and you know, Bohm gets thrown out at second, which is a relief. You at least got one out on this play, you know, and you know, Thompson's able to then work out of a second and third jam by striking out Rio Muto and getting Castellanos to ground out. But it's just like what what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Um, God, got to be really frustrating if you're manager Toya Lavulo. But anyway, it's a 4-2 game. You're going to have to – they knew they were going to have to score more runs to beat these Phillies. Uh, and that task is going to get a little harder through the seventh inning as Trey Turner, uh, you know, drives in Johan Rojas, uh, who had a triple, right? Johan Rojas, who has not hit well. Uh, basically hits a ground ball, and with his speed, it turns into a triple because he can fly. In the bottom of the seventh, the Phillies don't get the shutdown inning they want because Gregory Soto and Orion Kirkering just can't control the zone. You know, after a one-out Geraldo Perdomo single, Cattell Marte walks, then Kirkering comes in after Carroll gets out, Walks Gabby Moreno, walks Christian Walker. Neither of those at-bats even remotely competitive. But he is able to get Paven Smith out to maintain a 5-3 to three lead. After Kevin Ginkle has a scoreless top of the eighth, Rob Thompson makes a very curious decision. He goes to Craig Kimbrell. And I can kind of see it. 
right? It's a look. It I actually like Kimbrel sort of against the bottom of their order, and I want Alvarado for the top of the order, and they will likely come up in the ninth. But when you mess with guys, right? Craig Kimbrel's a closer, right? And I know he struggled in the ninth inning, but that wasn't a safe situation. This, I mean, you're not going to be asking him to get you six outs. So I, I just don't know what's going to happen. You know, and well, for the first time in these playoffs, Rob Thompson's magic touch seems to be missing. Lourdes Scurriel Jr. doubles down the left field line. And then Evan Longoria puts a charge into one, but just misses it. Just a little off the barrel to leave us with one out, man on second. And the guy who comes in to pinch hit for Emmanuel Rivera, the guy who made the error, is Alec Thomas. Now, a little bit about Alec Thomas, right? Was Mike Hazen's first ever draft pick? Well, actually, that was Paven Smith, but Alec Thomas was a high draft pick. Guy they love, Chicago kid, really talented with tools, right? Speedy, great defensive outfielder, but flat out has just struggled to hit at the major league level, right? OPS plus consecutive years of 75, right? 25% below league average. Got demoted to AAA earlier this year, but here he is facing Craig Kimbrell in a tight ball game. He's going to work a full count, and then he's going to have his Bernie Carbo moment. And now he can't be choosing. He's had to recognize the pitch out of the hand of Kimbrell and see if he can either put it in play or draw a walk. 3-2 pitch coming, and a fly ball deep right center field. He has done it! This game is tied on a pitch hit home run by Alec Thomas of Kimbrell in the eighth. 5-5 game. Wow, look at Thomas circle the bases. Is he one happy player? He got a ball out over the plate, and he could hammer it out there. And the only pitch that Kimbrell threw that he could hit, and he got it. Listen to this place. Bedlam at Chase Field. Alec Thomas off the bench. It's a two-run homer to tie it off Kimbrell. And now Perdomo will be the hitter when we're ready to play again. Look at the dugout erupt. Wow, that was a bomb that Thomas hit. The snakes are alive with Alec Thomas's pinch hit game-tying home run in the eighth inning off of Craig Kimbrell. His third home run of the postseason. What a moment there. Into the pool. Fans go in to grab it. He sprints around the bases, looks up to the heavens with his arms wide like, oh, thank you, thank you. The reason why that re- reminds me of Bernie Carbo, right? Stakes nowhere near the same. Bernie Carbo's home run is one of the most important of all time, right? But the similar thing of guy who's coming off the bench, pinch hit, he's cold, has to work a great at bat and foul off some pitches, and then, right, gets a fastball in the zone, hits it out, squares it up, deepest part of the ballpark. How can you not be fired up about that? Way to go, Alec Thomas. Hard not to root for a guy like that, right? Who's had his struggles, but man, is he coming through in the postseason for these D-backs. And this inning ain't over, right? After striking out Geraldo Perdomo, Cattell Marte picks up another base hit. And then Craig Kimbrell hits Corbin Carroll on the first pitch. Rob Thompson takes a slow walk out of the mound, brings in the big man, Jose Alvarado. But Gabriel Moreno, who hit a double off the wall off of Alvarado the previous night, well, in an, in an advantage count, he's going to be all over Jose Alvarado. 
to give the D-backs the lead in this game. Alvarado ready. Grito digs in. And a shot to left center. That's a hit. D-backs lead. Other runner goes to third. Marino delivers in the clutch. It's 6-5 Arizona. Gabby Marino took a 3-1 pitch and drilled it between the center fielder Rojas and Marsh to put the Diamondbacks on top. Two-seamer right on the inside corner. Moreno was ready for it. A 3-1 count, a hitter's count, and he laces this ball to left center field. Marte scores, and Carroll gets all the way to third. Just like for the 1975 Red Sox, it was the pitch-hitting outfielder who tied up the game, and then the catcher who had the game-winning hit for them. Again, much different stakes, much different historical context. Game six of the World Series and a walk-off home run at Fenway. A lot more dramatic than this. But still, postseason baseball, you gotta love it. Now, the job's not done, right? Alvarado then is able to get Christian Walker to line out deep to right field. But Paul Seawald has to come in and he's he's got work to do. You know, he's going to have to face the top of the order in Kyle Schwarber. But he strikes out Brandon Marsh, strikes out pinch hitter Jake Cave. Kyle Schwarber jumps all over the first slider that Seawald throws, but it's in off the trademark, so it's a relatively harmless double down the right field line. But that brings up Trey Turner with Bryce Harper on deck. Now Seawald's going to get ahead in the count, work it to 2-2, and he's going to come right at Trey Turner. Something I love about Paul Seawald. Unafraid, going to come right at you. And man, when his stuff's working, he throws that invisible that guys can't touch. And it's Seawald's got his sign. He's ready. Turner's ready. Two outs. The 2-2 pitch. On the way. He got him swinging. Seawald strikes out Turner, and the Arizona Diamondbacks have come back and won this ball game, six to five. They have evened this best of seven series at two games apiece, winning back-to-back home games. And what a dramatic win this was tonight, Tom Candiotti, as Alec Thomas is a pinch-hit two-run homer in the eighth, and then Gabby Marino with a two-out RBI single to score Marte, to score what he turned out to be the eventual winning run in the 6-5 victory. You know, this game was almost better than a walk-off. I mean, what a blast by Alec Thomas. I mean, this whole game, there's so many elements to it, but Alec Thomas with the big blow, and Seawald comes in and slams the door. Yeah, how about the job of Seawald? He allowed the double by Schwarber, but he struck out the three batters who retired in the inning. He picks up his fifth save and five tries for the Diamondbacks. What an acquisition that was by Mike Hazen, the Diamondback general manager at the trade deadline. And just like that, this series is all tied up. That advantage the Phillies had early on. Well, actually, they still have it because they'll still have home field advantage. This game, this series is guaranteed to go back to the bank, but it's going to be a lot harder than they expected after those first two games. A lot of credit to these D-backs fighting hard. There was a lot of talk after this game of, oh, what's Rob Thompson doing? Bullpen's going to be gassed. Oh, he can't ever go back to Craig Kimbrell. And it's like, well, he made a move. It didn't work out. Who would have expected Alec Thomas pinch hit two-run homer to tie the game? Anyway, this is going to be a rematch of game one with Zach Gallen versus Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler becoming one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. And this game is going to continue it. Zach Gallen, right, had a rough outing, gave up a lot of homers, you know, and so in this first inning, he's going to be a lot more careful, perhaps a little too careful, going more breaking ball heavy to Kyle Schwarber to start this game. You know, but this is a really important, if Arizona can take this, right, they put the they put the pressure back on Philly. But if Philly can take it, right, then they they have to just win one out of two ballgames in their home ballpark with Aaron Nola and Ranger Suarez. 
right? You know, as heartbreaking as those two losses were for the Phillies, yeah, they're okay with where they're at. And the most important thing, especially after you've had two tough losses, if you can get first inning runs, especially facing Zach Gallen, you're going to take all that you can get. Now, Kyle Schwarber, like I said, sees a lot of breaking balls. He's so out in front of a breaking ball that he cues it off the end of the bat to have an infield single to lead off this game. And then Bryce Harper, with one out, gets a single. Alec Bohm fails to drive in the run, but Bryson Stott, the man who's made so many defensive plays and has had many clutch hits throughout the year and in this postseason, opens the scoring once again for Philadelphia. Phillies looking to strike first here in this game five. They've got two on and two out. A two and one count as Gallon kicks and deals in the pitch. Swung on, ripped into right. That's going to be down for a base hit. Carroll plays it on a hop. Schwarber coming around third, and the throw is going to be up the line. And Bryson Stott delivers the first run of the night. An RBI single to right around the third goes Harper. It's one nothing Phillies. Well, you got to love that, and so does Stott, who's been struggling, but getting on the board early is huge, and really like to see keep that line moving. Well, if Carroll has an on-target throw, he's got a chance at oh, yeah. Schwarber on that ball. No question. But, but that's the key. Like, it, it's – their outfield arms are just they're, – they're not strong or accurate. We've like, seen that a couple of times. Threw a little cutter in there to the plate. Yeah. Like. Great swing there from Bryson Stott, bringing in the run, staying back on that gallon curveball exactly the way they wanted this game to start. Now, the Phillies are able to steal another run here because with first and third, Stott steals second base. Moreno throws down to get him. Stott stops, but the throw is low to Marte, who has to come in and short hop it. Harper has already taken off for home, and the throw in by Marte is low, skips away. Moreno and Harper actually collide, uh, but they're both okay. No one hurt there. Another play where the D-backs defense Bad throws from infielders and catchers have let them down, allowing another run to score, uh, making a 2 nothing lead. A lead that, with Zach Wheeler on the mound, they are not going to relinquish. You know, Zach Wheeler does walk Corbin Carroll to lead off this game and gives up a single to Moreno and a poor base running decision by Carroll, who kind of forgets where Trey Turner is, doesn't allow him to score to get that response run. But Zach Wheeler with runners in scoring position, well, he's just, he's untouchable. Striking out Christian Walker and then getting Paven Smith to roll over. Um, you know, credit to Zach Gallen, who really, really responds well. You know, keeps the Phillies off the board all the way up until the sixth inning. You know, keeps the D-backs in this game. But they just can't do anything against Zach Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler, phenomenal outstanding or whatever whatever words you want to say not enough to describe just how dominant he is so it's a two nothing game we get to the sixth inning top of the order coming around for the third time with Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper who if you remember the first inning of game one they took Zach Gallen deep and hit things hard well Zach Gallen is going to fall behind Kyle Schwarber he's going to hang a breaking ball and, well, I think you already know what the result is. He's got his signs. Well, he gives them. Here's the 2-0. Swing and a launcher out toward right center field. That's going to be a long home run off the back wall above the pool. Solo home run for Kyle Schwarber. It's his 20th postseason home run of his career, and the Phillies are on top 3-0. Somebody called it. Did he throw the hat on the mounds? That would be that Murph, did you? Wow. Oh, was it Murph? Fransky called it, and I don't understand the hat on the mound reference. All right, so in the bullpen, if you think a player is going to hit a home run in that particular inning or when they come up at the plate, as Trey Turner's the batter, and Turner takes low, you toss a hat onto the mounds. Oh. And if they hit the home run, there's a, you know, a pot of uh, candy that you oh, receive that's for that. 
My oh my, was that ball crushed. Schwarber, fifth home run of this series, looking to secure his his NLCS MVP. But man, one thing to mention, that is the 15th straight solo home run hit by the Phillies. Well, and Bryce Harper, (laughs) he's going to extend that streak because he looked at Schwarber and he said, anything you can do, I can do bigger. Three balls, two strikes. Now we understand the reads tonight. Here's the payoff pitch. Swing and a blast deep to right center field. That'll go past Schwarber's. A solo home run for Bryce Harper. It's the second homer of the inning for the Phils. And they now lead it 4 nothing. I guess he's going to get something to hit there. I guess so. What a batting practice display as Harper looks over into the third base crowd, waves it to the Phillies crowd. 444 feet at wow. 112 miles an hour. Oh, my. I mean, that one was majestic. As fast as Schwarber's went out, Harper's was majestic. I mean, we're getting another, we're getting some heat behind us here. Murphy called this shot. Fransky called it behind us on Schwarber. We didn't hear it, so we can't. And they're not wearing hats, so there was no hats dropped. Did not see any hats dropped. (laughs) But I'm glad they're doing it. Well, and the other thing is, is you can see what happens, at least we can see from up here, when the Phil's see some pitches when they can extend an at-bat a little bit. Zach Gallen gets out of his comfort zone, and then he starts to hang some pitches. Man. I don't know if it was Kevin Durant that he was looking at or uh, Michael Phelps over on the third-base dugout side. He was looking at somebody. Harper was. The ability to do damage at the top of the order with those guys Schwarber, Turner, Harper, right? It is tough to navigate. And I can understand why Lavulo sent Gallon back out there, right? Both of these teams are in situations where they needed their starters to go deep. There, there was no if and or if ands or buts about it. They needed to get outs. But ultimately, right, these guys get a chance to see Gallon more. They're all over him. Another start with multiple home runs given up by Zach Gallen. The party is fully back on for Philadelphia. Zach Wheeler, again, shut down innings, few better than him at it, you know, able to work around a Christian Walker double, uh, but picks up another two strikeouts in that inning. I mean, I think he strikes out eight or nine in this game. I mean, he's just, he's just awesome. Now, bottom of the seventh, Alec Thomas, once again, does some damage, hits his fourth home run of the playoffs on the first pitch of the inning off of Zach Wheeler. But then something kind of crazy happens here, right? Like Zach Wheeler, who I've talked about how he kind of can run out of gas at the end of games, right? And, you know... There's no incentive from the Diamondbacks here to drive up his pitch count and get someone else into the ballgame. Evan Longoria swings at the first pitch and pops out. And then, in a matter of just a few pitches, as we're going to see here, thanks to some great defense, Zach Wheeler is going to get through seven strong really, really quickly. Pretty much because the D-backs can't bother to be patient against him. Here's a swing and a hot shot towards second. Diving start. He's got it. Gets up. Throws from the grass. He got him. Another great play by Bryson Stott at second base as he takes a hit away from Perdomo. That ball looked like it had no chance to be caught going into right field, and he makes a dive and comes up with it. What a play. Made a great play on Marte earlier, going the other direction, up the middle, this time diving in the hole. And they're going to let Wheeler face Carroll and try to hold off using Alvarado until the eighth. 4-1 Phillies. And Wheeler's pitch. Carroll takes. That's a called strike. Oh and one the count. 
Carroll tonight. One for two with a walk. He takes down low. You know, I, I want to go back a little bit to, to Stott's plays. And I say plays because there's been so many of them. One thing that gets overlooked with him, and maybe just because he makes these great diving plays, are his throws are on the money. There's the 1-1. Had a swing and a pop-up. This should end the inning. Castellanos coming in from right field, and he's waiting, and he's got it. And Zach Wheeler gives up the home run here, but he's got seven strong innings in the books, and he's given himself and his team a 4-1 to lead here in Game 5. We're headed to the eighth in Arizona. 4-1 Phillies. Seven strong from Zach Wheeler. Exactly what manager Rob Thompson needed. Able to stay off of his big bullpen guys, though he had them warming, right? Had them ready to come in. Jeff Hoffman and Alvarado were getting loose. But again, like the D-backs sort of help him out there. He was up around 90 pitches, which is about Wheeler's limit. Um, You know, I definitely understand wanting to swing early against Wheeler, given how nasty his stuff is, and given the fact he, he works ahead so much. But man, just an outstanding job by him and in the top of the eighth right with it being a 4-1 lead right it's important hey if you can just just extend this right Cattell Marte makes an error to lead off this inning and that's going to come back to really bite them because with JT Realmuto at the plate the long streak of solo home runs 16 in the row is finally going to come to an end from the guy who's been calling the games, catches every day back there, one of the best in the business, JT Real Muto. One ball and one strike. Uh, JT, 0 for 3 tonight. The pitch swung on, hit deep down the left field line. That ball is gone into the Diamondbacks bullpen. And JT Realmuto expands the lead. It's his third homer of the postseason, a two-run shot. And it's 6-1 to one Phillies in the eighth. Boy, is that huge. And I think you made a good point, Doc. <laughs> boy, oh boy. He just, it was one of those things where he was trying to make these adjustments and batting I was feeling it. And it... It is, Larry. Yes, it, it, I see those two fingers. It's a two-run home. Oh, there it is. I know. (laughs) 16 solos in a row. And JT now with 12 runs batted in this postseason. Nice. That swing there is going to put this game on ice, make it a 6-1 to ball game in the eighth inning with just six outs to go. Jeff Hoffman comes into the eighth. Works around a, a Cattell Marte leadoff single. And with that lead, right, they're able to stay off Alvarado. Dominguez has to come in for a third straight game, and he actually doesn't end up finishing the inning. It's Matt Strom who ends up striking out Corbin Carroll with a couple of guys on. Um, Matt Strom finishing off games multiple times in the playoffs. Wouldn't have expected that at the beginning of the year. But what a great response by Philly after two really, really tough games, right? Where, you know, you probably wanted to get this series done in five, reset your rotation and all of that stuff. But ultimately, right, you feel you feel good getting one. You're going to have game six tonight, which is actually, as I'm recording this, the game's like literally starting right now. So I need to hurry it up here. But what a job by these Phillies. Zach Wheeler, dominant. Harper and Schwarber continuing to hit for power. Guys coming through. Bryson Stott showing out on defense. You know, you can feel pretty confident they're going to get the job done and go back to the World Series. But let's give some credit to these D-backs, right? They've battled hard, <laughs> right? They really fought back. They've made this a series, and they're gonna they're going to take Philly as far as they can go, right? Uh, and they're gonna battle 
game sixes lead to desperation and you know it's going to be up to Aaron Nola to control that game and it's going to be up to Merrill Kelly who's going to be starting to keep the D-backs in it right and to find a way to keep those big bats contained in those unfriendly confines of Citizens Bank Ballpark these posts, this postseason has been such a blast. Can't wait for these two awesome games uh, and can't wait for the World Series to get started really soon. We'll have more on the ends of both of these championship series uh, coming up in the next few days. All right. Until then, catch you next time on Fall Classic Rewind. <laughs>